0: Welcome to Mac Gamecast episode 29. I'm John Carr, as always, and with me is Ted and Casper. How are you doing, gents? I'm doing well. Ooh. All right. <laughs> uh, we're going over a few things today, some things about the new M2 uh, chip or the MacBook Air. Uh, I'm going to talk about Citizen Sleeper, a relatively new indie game that has some buzz. I played through it, want to talk about it. And we're going to chat about Aspire Media a little bit. Uh, they're going through some in- just interesting things um, and whatever else comes to our minds. Uh, it's been a little bit since our last show, about five weeks, I think. So, uh, how have you guys been? Anything, you know, I don't know, do anything fun or play any cool games or whatever?
1: Um. Well,
2: Ted, you got anything
1: to start? Uh, not really. I've been just playing the same old stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah I mean I've also just been like I've been replaying Mass Effect a lot lately um, oh. I've been playing Elden Ring um, and um, God of War but yeah it's, it's not really something that's natively available on the Mac side so that's just been through boot camp um, so yeah that's been uh, what's going on on the gaming side <laughs> on my end
0: nice I know some people have messed around with um, God of War and Crossover I think.
2: Yeah. Um, it's kind of a funky situation where the game claims that it needs, I think it, it, it claims it needs like DirectX 12 or Windows 10 or 11 or something and does some checking that prevents it from opening up uh, normally with crossover. But you can do a thing where if you, if you disassemble the binary, you can find where it does the check, remove the check, reassemble the binary. And it will actually work fine through Crossover. Oh. <laughs> there will be some minor like texture loading issues where some uh, textures here and there will appear slightly incorrect, but it, it's not exactly big problems. It's just tiny things here and there. It generally runs all right. Not like super performant, but all right.
0: Right. I guess that really depends um, how badly you want to play the game non-natively. Or I mean, like... Uh, if you don't have access to boot camp <laughs> or a PC or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or I guess a console, which is the original platform. Um, but assuming yeah. a computer of some kind. Yeah, I, I wouldn't... The only game I've tried to play through emulation, like seriously, or not, maybe not emulation, but something like Crossover or Parallels is The Witcher 3. And even then I didn't like... It was more of a... <laughs> because i can not because i want to <laughs> 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 it runs pretty good in parallels um but you know i can play it on geforce now i can play it on boot camp it's you know it can also run through crossover kind of runs anywhere but it is a seven-year-old game at this point although when i was testing yeah. it in parallels i think it was about two years ago so but still it's not like some brand new release um Talking about Mass Effect makes me, brings me back in the early days of the Mac Gamecast, back when the website was really active with um, reviews and posts and news and whatever. Uh, There was a lady, a German lady, interestingly enough, um, who was a crossover, I forget what the word was, um, some sort of support person, but like a volunteer, they have a name for them, I think, Mm -hmm. in their community, Uh, and I bumped into her somehow in the forums Um, I forget about what game, but she offered to help or something, and we got on Skype. Haha. Um, didn't have Discord back then. This was like 2012 or 13 or something. So, no. Yeah, maybe 2014, actually. Um, whoops. I would have... I forgot to, uh, go silent, so I just got an email ping, which totally went on the recording. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, focus. Do not disturb. There we go. Um, anyway, she had found a way through, like her elite crossover skills, to get Mass Effect One, Two, and Three working through crossover. Wow. Um, but it was this whole like a rigmarole to get it done, like a whole song and a dance. It wasn't straightforward at all.
2: At this point, um, both One and Two, not Legendary Edition. I haven't tried with Legendary Edition, but One and Two will just launch with crossover, no problem at this point. Um, oh, so. They they have made that just run without right. issue
0: at That's cool. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great series. Uh, Lily and I, and maybe someone else way back last year, we had a whole big Mass Effect episode, I think. Uh, maybe it wasn't a whole episode, but part of it, I recall. It was discussing. Little,
1: yeah, it was a good amount, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> definitely a big fan. Um, I was yakking to Casper a little yesterday. He started the legendary edition so is that like an all-in-one launcher Do you have to download all three games how does it work uh
2: if you download legendary edition it will just act as a launcher for all three games so it is just one bundled up package yeah right um but do you launch Um, like three so when you launch the legendary edition it'll give you like a launcher for each individual game Uh um, inside the thing so you do kind of launch into separate things but it is slightly integrated in that um, at least for two and three, not for one for some reason, um, you can, from the launcher, instead of having to go into the actual game's main menu and then click continue, there will just be a resume button on the main launcher that will load your save game straight up instead of going through the game's main menu first. Um, but it is done as like a launcher of three separate things still. Though you can't do a thing where you... Like, if you're only interested in playing, let's say, Mass Effect 1 again, you can't only download that. You need to download all three when you download the Legendary Edition. Oh,
0: right. Yeah. Solid. Yeah, always uh, always a good time. Um, there was a weird time where supposedly Mass Effect 2 was going to come to Mac um, in, like, 2011 yeah. era. Uh, it was... I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but for the sake of uh, reminders... Um, back when OnLive was a thing, the first streaming gaming streaming service, Um, Mm. every game was available to play on Mac except Mass Effect 2. Um, Mm. You couldn't play it on your Mac for some reason, even though it was streaming. Um, And what I heard was there was some kind of licensing thing where it was supposedly in development, so they didn't want people to play it on the Mac. Of course, it never materialized, (laughs) which makes it dumb, but... um, I mean, the rumor lends, uh, the theory, or I don't know, somebody told me, I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was some Tunser from IMG or something, but, um, yeah, there was some weird reason <laughs> and it makes sense. Like, why would they not allow it on the Mac? It was streaming. It wasn't literally streaming on your Mac. It was streaming on some other computer to your Mac. Who cares? It's not like it wouldn't work. Um... Anyway, Mm. that was just, you know, one among many games that never, like, supposedly were going to come to the Mac, but never did, you know, insert Unreal Tournament 3, uh, Gears of War, and a bunch of other stuff, Shadow Warrior 2. (laughs) Um,
2: It it feels so weird to just do Mass Effect 2, though, because that whole series only really works if you have all three games, I think. I don't think it's a very enjoyable experience, I'm I'm imagining, because I haven't tried it that way to just play from two and three or, and not do one or something. Cause you really want that continuity of your character throughout. I think.
0: I would agree. Um, but like some Mac releases, we only get one or two out of, you know, a whole series. <laughs> See yeah, the Witcher, yeah. uh, Witcher one and two, and we got two first and then one later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course three never materialized. Um, although as we were just saying, it can run on just about anything these days, but, um, yeah, it's weird. No, it definitely... Um, I played through them in order, of course. Um, I think it would be weird as well. I mean, 2 is where the series got modern, so I could kind of see the logic. Um, mm. Like, for broader appeal. Uh, it yeah. went from being an RPG with shooter elements to a shooter with RPG elements. Um, yeah, exactly.
2: So, you know,
0: whatever. Uh, where are you at in in the Legendary version? Are you just starting over? Or?
2: I, I just finished the second one, actually. Um oh, exciting. So I finished the first one a, a while back, landed on about 25 hours or something, did all the side quests, I think, at least on all the ones I found. <laughs> um, and similarly with the second one, I did all the side quests, but that turned out to be way longer um, than the first one. And the side quests are frankly less interesting in the second one, I think. But the main quests are more interesting narratively. Um. Though the first one did also have a problem with the side quests that the second one mirrors, where a lot of them, like you, a, a lot of the appeal of Mass Effect is the narrative and the storytelling and, and characters and all that. But the side quests are all just like, here's a bunch of data pad text. All right, thanks. Goodbye. Right. And you just shoot things. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wish just the side side quests had more story in them, more. You know, choices, character, dialogue, rather than just read some data paths and shoot some things. But <laughs> aside from that, it's it's a good series.
0: The side quests I found most memorable that I, well, haha, going from memory, um, were the uh, crew side quests. You know, you had to like chat them up, and then you could go on their personal side quest, to resolve some <laughs> you know problem or trauma or family issue or whatever it was. Um of course. I not would argue that's
2: not really a side quest in the Mass Effect series. Um because that's they true. show up under main missions and they affect the main ending of mm-hmm. the
0: game. See, I don't Where remember the... how they logged them. <laughs> uh
2: yeah. I mean they're op- the, the... I guess
0: since they're optional, I think of them as side quests. They aren't man like you're not forced to do them. You just should.
2: Yeah, but a lot of the main quests are optional too, like the ones that you would without a doubt call main quests. Um where like if you boil the game down to just what you need to do i think you can finish it in like three missions oh wow um but everyone will die (laughs) including you (laughs) (laughs) and you can't import a character if you know if shepherd is dead (laughs) so
0: makes sense yeah you want to be alive for number three technically yeah yeah
2: um but yeah, that the, they catalog them as main missions in the game as well, and they are like heavily focused as something you do to prepare for the big suicide mission and stuff. Where right. the ones that are locked as side quests in the game are ones where you just like scan a planet, go there, read a data pad, shoot some things, return to Normandy. Like no dialogue. Right, <laughs> right, right,
0: yeah, a little um, dated. That's like a. We could easily launch, and or we could easily launch into like older game design, quest design. Not to say even modern games don't do that. Certainly, some of them do, especially like MMOs or whatever. There's a lot of just I guess what they call like fetch quests, or uh, yeah, very basic. Just show up, shoot some dudes, press a button on a computer or whatever, and then yay, you're done. Um, <laughs> it's certainly I don't know uh, what is it. Warframe seems to be a lot like that. All the missions are just, like, chop through a bunch of dudes and, like, punch a button or something. Uh, I haven't played the game extensively, so maybe there's more frame fans out there who are like, that's so wrong. Um, I wouldn't know. But the few hours I played the game, it seemed a little generic. It wasn't bad, Mm -hmm. per se, but it wasn't... The action's good, but otherwise it was pretty unengaging, (laughs) which made me not want to play it. Um, Mm -hmm. I need a little more of a, uh, a hook. To do things, I guess, unless it's maybe Diablo. Um, but mm-hmm. if it's like a first or third person type game, I want something more, more of a reason to run around and you know shoot guys, I guess. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I think the narrative's important, um, and like Mass Effect as, as well, being the example, is such a narratively focused experience. I think that it's kind of weird to me that the side quests felt so. Yeah, devoid of any narrative or any purpose to them really. Um the first one did do a cool thing where even the like really tiny side quests would carry over to the second one. Um in like minor things where you know if you destroyed a Cerberus base in the first one, you could get a little like prompt on your uh terminal, the little um private messages things, mails people would send you where someone would like reference it and saying we are of course disappointed at your attacks on our bases uh, two years ago but
0: <laughs>
2: seeing that you're part of the crew now we will look past this transgression or whatever right right um but does even from like the side quest in the second game there's no transfer to the third one as far as i've read so even that isn't a reason to do it
0: uh, I don't remember. My favorite continuity is the reporter you can punch in the face. I think in both games, oh, yeah. or maybe even all three. Um, <laughs> yeah,
2: she's funny. <laughs>
0: I don't remember uh, if she shows up in number three, or he or she, whoever it is. Um, and then Emily yeah.
2: Wong is her name.
0: Okay, and then like, of course, whether or not you do punch him, of course, there's different dialogue and all this stuff. <laughs> Uh, good times. Um, but uh, enough of Mass Effect for the moment. Um, have you guys been reading or hearing anything about the M2 Air in the last I don't know month or whatever?
2: I mean, I've um, been keeping uh, up to date quite a bit on it. Um, and like fr- from our sphere of of the internet, the most interesting aspect is just that the the GPU performance. Um on the M2 Pro at least is quite a bit better than what Apple stated uh, in the press brief and like the announcement event so we're actually looking at and I think we we talked about this before they came out officially as well that the um performance you know was looking leak wise to be better than what Apple presented and right. we're looking at anywhere from like 35 to 40% in, improvement even like 45 in some cases um, and this also translates into games running better on the air we are seeing quite substantial um, throttling and the thermals can hit all the way up to like 108 degrees Celsius on the hottest point of the die um, so as a result of that performance is going to be you know quite a bit less especially in sustained tasks like games on the area than the Pro now. Where they were closer to each other than the M1 series, but the M2 can draw more power, so it only is natural that it will also uh, give a stronger difference between the fan uh, MacBook Pro and the fanless MacBook Air. Um, it'll still perform better in games than the uh, M1, of course. Um, but there was some testing done by Greg's Gadget where they actually found that the 10-core MacBook Air ran Shadow of the Tomb Raider worse than the 8-core MacBook Air because it throttled so hard. Um, Um, That was an exceptional case in general. It did run games faster with the 10-core, but there was something about the way Shadow of the Tomb Raider pushed both CPU and GPU just the right way to where it was actually like a little bit slower, like one frame per second on average or something, so almost within margin of error, but still not great. Um, so yeah, it seems to not be much point in getting the 10-core if you're going for the Air, but if you're going for the Pro, it could still be worth it to get a bit extra gaming performance there. But for the Air, the 8-core is uh, you know, good enough because the throttling is going to mean that for sustained tasks, at least, it's not really worth it. For short burst workloads, you're still going to get way more performance with the 10-core, but if you're playing for more than 15 minutes, which you probably are, <laughs> it's going to even the playing field a lot between the 10 and 8-core
0: that makes sense just looking at the i mean the price difference between the M2 Air and the 13-inch MacBook Pro is $100 mm. it's pretty minimal 12 well, at least in the US yeah. uh 111199 versus 1299 dollars mm. so it's yeah. pretty pretty nominal <laughs> difference. Uh, I guess okay. Um you do get a 512 gig SSD. Oh wait. No, you don't. Sorry. I'm reading the uh wrong side of the screen. I thought <laughs> maybe you got like more, but so I guess I guess with a $100 difference, I didn't look into this before the podcast and I should have. Um like what's the big reason to get the Air other than it's lighter and like easier to carry around? Maybe that's enough of a reason. But if you I mean it
2: does have it does have the new design, um, comes in more color options, I guess. Is, that could be important to some people. It does. And it, does. Has, um, it has that screen like the MacBook Pros, not the same quality screen. It's not a uh, mini LED or anything, but it does have the bit where it goes a bit further up, like with the notch bit. So instead of being 13.3 ah, inches, right. it's 13.6 inches. Oh. Um, and like there, there's small things like that here and there that you know could be... Uh, Reason to go for right. It's a liquid instead the retina brown.
0: instead of just a retina. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm not actually sure they they use those terms for it, but yeah, it's it's at least the, a newer screen technology there.
1: Mm-hmm. But wasn't a, there a problem with the um, the memory bus on that one too? Am I might get? Uh, I saw something about that. some
0: recalls. I think.
1: Well, no. I what I was hearing was that. So the, the chip that they used, it was like, it's one chip, and so it's bigger, so you have to go all the way through it to access it, where the Pro has two chips for the same amount, so it's actually like two different buses, and you're accessing it at the same time.
2: Right, I know what you're referring to now. That's uh, the SSD rather than the, the memory, so yeah that's the, that's the storage situation that's only on the lower storage model on the 256 gigabyte storage um if you get 512 or above you still get several modules uh, i think it's always just two but i don't know there might be one that's four modules um like the 16-inch macbook pro has up to like seven NAND chips or something in it but okay. yeah you're, you're right that if you have two NAND chips they'll run in parallel if you just have one you can't run it in parallel because there's just one. Right, And that right. does mean that the SSD performance on the base storage tier is actually a bit lower than the SSD performance of the M1. Um, but that that goes for both the M2 MacBook Pro and the M2 MacBook Air, that they will actually have slower SSD on the base storage than the M1 generation. A um, bit sad, but... I don't know. It doesn't matter for gaming performance, but it does matter for a bunch of other tasks. Um, the only like situation where it could matter a tiny bit for gaming performance is loading times, and with the amount of data you're loading versus processing in that, like we're looking at such a minuscule difference that you'd only ever notice if you literally had them side by side with a stopwatch. But for other tasks, it's definitely something to keep in mind that you will get better performance if you step up the storage tier just To the five twelve or above. Or go for the M one if storage performance is really crucial to whatever you do.
3: That makes sense. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean external storage is pretty easy, but it's still external storage, which is, you know, clunky. Gotta plug stuff in and always transport with you.
2: if you go for external storage, though, you are also limiting the performance, because I don't think there's any external storage that's going to be faster than even the slower of the two internal options we're talking about. Right. That's yeah, definitely that's true. true.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. Because the new drives are really fast. They're right speeds.
2: Yeah, I mean, on the Air and the 13-inch Pro, we are only looking at, you know, sort of Quote unquote normal SSD performance, I think, at around 2800 megabytes per second. So There's not like the groundbreaking insane speeds of the 14 and 16 inch that right. will have a base speed of like above five gigabytes per second and go to like 7.2 or 7.3 or something. Yeah, I but think when I tested it mine, it fast. was
0: 6.9 or seven or something on my. Um, yeah, that, that
2: checks out. Yeah, that also nice. depends on, like, how um, how much storage you get, how fast that's going to be. But, yeah. Right. Nice. Definitely yeah. a lot faster, regardless.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting time for hardware, as usual. Like, really, if you want a gaming machine, realistically, if you're trying to play games natively or or through emulation or whatever, not streaming, um you should probably be getting a MacBook Pro unless you don't have the coin um you know the M1s or the M2 Airs are still pretty solid but as Casper was saying um the throttling can be a problem for sure i mean that was even a problem in the original models but it's just it seems to be more uh, more of an issue with the new M2s um so as usual the real you know and i see these questions in forums and a discord apple discord and whatever like what games can i play or should i play it's like that's such an open-ended question what games do you want to play what (laughs) genres do you like i don't know like it's too it's too broad um Mm -hmm. you know um and the unfortunate reality is there isn't a lot of new like shooter games or whatever i see that like what's the best free-to-play shooter game it's like you kind of have a csgo and that's it yeah I mean okay if you log in through uh Nvidia GeForce Now you can play like Apex Legends. So that's pretty popular too. Um but that's not native, right? So I mean there's a whole horde of like really low end free ones. Sorry developers, I've tried them all for a uh, Mr. Matrat <laughs> video and they were just they were just not very good. Um, not trying to bash anyone. Hey, everyone, you know, puts their time and effort into something. I'm not here to hate on it. But it's just like You know, there's kind of a reason these are like on itch.io or they're just really funky things on Steam with, you know, two people playing them Um, Uh because they just aren't that great. Some of the idea concepts were cool for sure, but, you know, you you can need more than that to put out something that people are going to keep playing beyond install it once, check it out, and then uninstall it and then not tell anyone about it beyond... On a podcast where they're saying, don't go play them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. You know, we have new stuff coming. So, you know, if you're in the market to buy something, well, maybe you should look into, do I want to play, you know, Resident Evil 8? Do I want to play, um, oh my God, what's the other one? No Man's Sky? No Man's Sky. I was thinking Sky, sky something. Um, I was going to yeah. say Skybound. <laughs> That was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, No Man's Sky and what's the third one? Uh, Grid Legends, you know. Yeah. They're all supposed to run on M1s, I guess. Um, but, you know, like we're saying, how long do you want to play? Probably more than 15 minutes. So um, <laughs> if you have the money, there's basically no great reason not to get a MacBook Pro 14 or 16. Um, personally, in my, my mind, unless you guys have a counter suggestion there.
2: I think the biggest counterpoint would be, you know, that there is going to be an M2 Pro and M2 uh, Max equipped version at some point. Um, I do think that's, like, more than half a year away still. Like, I I probably think um, spring of next year or something before we'll see something like that. But, you know, you could make an argument that it has been a while since the 14 and 16-inch we have now were announced. And that we could see a spec bump that people might want to wait for. But that said, I do think they are fantastic enough machines. And that, you know, the, the, there's not going to be too much of an envy factor if you get them now and the new ones come out. I think, I, you know, you're still going to have fantastic computer in a 14 or 16 inch.
0: Yeah, I was just reading, I would agree with those counterpoints and thoughts. Uh, I was just reading some rumors. These are rumors uh m1 mac pro reportedly scrapped as apple plans m2 push this fall um mm-hmm. but you know that's a rumor it's not confirmed from apple
2: yeah that, yeah. that was german who came out with that one. yeah correct that yeah, i re- actually
1: read the article and it was kind of iffy about their their logic <laughs>
2: yeah i agree with that I'm not convinced on, on that rumor either. Um, I think there is something to the idea that they might have wanted to announce it at WWDC, um, but I'm not sure like how far that goes back and like how early in production they were thinking about things like this and stuff. Because I, I do think there's a point to that them having fooled around with the idea of an M1 Mac Pro. But if it was like, as the German rumors suggest, that it was like pretty late in development, we have it ready, let's scrap that idea. Or if it was pretty early on and they were just like, nah, we'll develop something bigger for this or whatever. I think that might be more likely, but I don't know. I'm I'm also speculating. So yeah.
3: (laughs)
0: Yeah. I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. It's hard to go wrong with the Silicon devices in general. They are great machines. We've had a lot of praise for them on the podcast last year, this year, um, from all of us, from Mm -hmm. Sam, who's not here today, but, um, they're, you know, they remain surprisingly good and as ever the real kicker is um after, say, Resident Evil and No Man's Sky and Grid Legends show up, uh, what you know, what's does uh does the faucet stay on for Mac gaming or not? You know, we have no idea. Um yeah. it'll be good for a while, but will it stay, you know, will it stay it's already getting better. But, you know, without releases, it doesn't matter how great our hardware is. <laughs> we could have supercomputers and if there's no, you know, you know, like semi steady, at least stream of games coming like there was maybe kind of up until 2019. Um, you know, that's its own issue. But uh, I'm not trying to sound pessimistic. I'm just curious. I'm very curious. And I'm also curious to see how these new games run. Um, like, if they're really targeted to be optimized on, say, M1, M2, um, you know, can they really show up and play it like? you know, higher ultra settings and, you know, max res or something. I'm I'm curious to see what they can do. I'm assuming if Apple's sponsoring the dev, which is the rumor slash theory, that they would actually put time into really optimizing it. I know Farwell, will. They always do. I'm talking about uh, No Man's Sky and Resident Evil 8. And they showed yeah. a demo clip of Resident Evil 8, and it looked great, but I couldn't tell exactly, you know. It was a very short clip. So... Um, what settings was that running at? What resolution? Blah blah blah. I don't know. You know, what a fiasco! Yes, didn't show any of that.
2: So and which yeah. Mac?
0: Correct, which Mac?
2: <laughs> I mean, Big difference at, if it's an M1 Ultra or you know an M1 Air or something.
0: Exactly. I mean, at some old um, game shows. I think it was funny enough, even some Xbox shows, they actually had the demos running on PCs, but the PCs were hiding, like, under the desk or something. Yeah. <laughs> behind the curtain, behind curtains, and it came out later. <laughs> behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so it's like, Yeah, huh.
0: stories of that
2: have been around a bit. <laughs> Are
0: they? You know, is this just running on a PC, like, hooked up somehow to a Mac monitor? I don't, you know, I'm, I'm getting too conspiracy theory there, but, um, you know, I just want more data basically. We'll yeah. get it. I would just, you know, be cooler to have it sooner, but Mac um, porting is traditionally slim on these kind of details until it really releases, so it doesn't surprise me, but such as What I do
2: think could be um, quite cool would be like if you're willing to sacrifice a bit of performance and tell the game to you know, calm down, run at 30 FPS, and set it to like use the efficiency course more than the performance course and stuff could you potentially have fanless macbook air uh, running resident evil or whatever at still nice looking visuals but you know obviously compromising a bit on that and have it be cool to the touch because you are telling it to not go wild on the performance course and try and maximize fps but just calm down and have super thin laptop no fan not that hot very portable, portable and um, still super long-lasting battery life, while playing. That could like really be something that could even get PC people, uh, gamers to like look at that with envy, I think, even if they then would also go, "Yeah, but where's the rest of the games which would be valid?" But um, having that superpower could be fantastic. Nice. I mean, you can already kind of do that if you're like, interested in not playing games like Resident Evil yet, but like, if you're playing Hollow Knight or Stardew Valley or something, um, you can set the laptop to the low-power mode where it doesn't really push the performance course as much. Um, and you'll get like spectacular battery life, not a lot of heat, and you can run it fanless and just chill out with that mm-hmm. for ages and ages and ages uh, on the long battery life. So I I think that kind of experience is going to be unique and cool if that can still run well.
0: That would be cool. Let's look forward to some uh, specs, benchmarks, testing, all that when they presumably release, maybe this fall or winter or something. (laughs) They didn't give a release date. I'm just, I'd be surprised if it wasn't this year.
2: Yeah, definitely
0: seem unusual um well, let's talk about a game that is on the mac a citizen sleeper uh, i threw out a link in case you guys hadn't looked at the game yet uh it's an interesting little indie game that was uh released fairly recently in may of this year early may uh, i've had my it's been on my wish list um and i finally felt like playing sort of a smaller indie game <laughs> which is what i was waiting for to buy it um the developers, I don't know them other than I know they made a previous game in other waters from 2020, which was also pretty well rated um, as some sort of underwater narrative exploration kind of thing. I think it was like you AI or something like that. Um, that was also pretty well received. From what I can tell, this one's been more of a hit for them. Seems to kind of have like double the ratings of their previous game, or maybe not quite double, but 50% more or something. Um, and it is sort of a narrative-based RPG, Cyberpunk type thing. But what's sort of weird or interesting is that it integrates kind of this tabletop or board game type mechanic with dice. Um, so mm-hmm. every day you have a certain amount of dice available to you. Just to standard D six, one through six. Um, <clears throat> and uh, all the actions you do in the game, like tasks or whatever, require dice. They require dice of a certain number. Some they have to match, and some just have to be uh, a higher number. Like, oh, this action requires a three or greater or whatever. Or this action has to have a two. And if you don't have a two that day, because you can't re-roll your dice, you just get them at the top of the screen. <laughs> uh, then you can't take that action. You have to go wait till another day. Oh, well, late in the game, you can't acquire a re-roll once a day skill. Because it is mm. uh, there's some there's like a uh, pretty basic upgrade screen. Um, but basically, the it is a narrative-focused game and sort of an RPG. I mean, they list it as an RPG, but I would hesitate to really call it an RPG. It's really more of like a true RPG, like, oh, man, I'm really role-playing here. Um, <laughs> you can, you know, make a few different choices in um, dialogue, but for the most part, they seem to result in the same thing. Um, All right. So the name of the game in itself is the whole, like, Oh, what what is a citizen sleeper, or what's a sleeper? So you play as a sleeper, which is a human who has had their consciousness transferred to, like, a robot. But your body's um. still somewhere, like, asleep being, I don't know, harvested or something. Like, some, you know, sleazy corporation's doing something with your body. You don't really know what. They've got you hooked up or something. And Matrix. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind of a, like a reverse <laughs> Matrix thing, um, where you are aware of like you're still in the real world, but you're now a robot. But mm. you know, you're you feel weird because you're in a robot body and you're just waking up. Um and that's and you end up on the space station. So that's why they call you sleepers, because you arrive and you're asleep and then somebody finds you and wakes you up. Hence citizen sleeper. Um in your case you've um what, like kind of jumped ship from the corporation illegally and tried to escape. So you're not really supposed to be there, and you wake up in like a scrapyard. I don't know if there's different openings. I only played through once, and you can choose a couple of different opening characters. I don't know if the opening's the same for all of them or whatever. But someone like old man in a scrapyard finds you and is like, "Well, I need some help, so like I won't report you," and yada yada. And um, so the game starts off kind of tough because you're low on energy and low on dice. Because the lower your energy is, the lower amount of dice you can have, meaning your actions. So you have up to five. Um so the first hour or two is this really tough balancing act of like trying to make just enough money to like buy some food or supplies so you don't run out of energy, so you don't run out of dice, so you don't run out of actions. <laughs> so it's this fun little scrappy game of everyday of like really hard choices like, oh I need to do this and I need to do that. Everything in the game runs in cycles. Um not everything, but like most of the tasks, like they call them cycles on the station, because it's a circular station. Um so if you want to do something, well, it might only be available for, like, four cycles, which is essentially four days. So if you don't complete the task in time, well, then it disappears because, like, the ship leaves the station or the person goes away or yada yada. Um, so there is a bit of a time-based element to the game. Um, so you can't do everything at once, which is cool. I like choice in games. Um, yeah. Um, so that's fun. But it's got a pretty quickly, there's a obvious, like, mystery element to the game where you discover this ship that's been blown up with other sleepers on it and then maybe they were trying to get to you actually and then turns out there's like some mysterious forces hunting you and like a bounty hunter and then there's this whole uh what do they call it sort of digital realm in the game as well where it turns out you're able to like hack or jack in but then there's like hunter killer programs in there trying to get you which is pretty fun because it can only take a few actions before they find you and But there's a whole narrative element to that as well, and, like, who you really are, and kind of what does it mean to be human, and the nature of consciousness, and some of these sort of cyberpunk-y themes that get rolled around in, well, the cyberpunk genre. Um, So pros of the game, I mean, it's definitely an indie game, but I like the music, I like the visuals, the camera's cool, because you can rotate or spin it kind of any which way you want on the station, which is fun. Although that's more of a gimmick than anything, I tended to keep it... in one direction, because you you as you play the game, you unlock more and more parts of the ship, so you're you have to start scrolling like quite long back and forth across the whole station. Um, and if you if you switch your view, well, then suddenly everything's flipped, and you're like, wait a minute, where's like that bar or that enforcer? Or where's that hacker? Or where's that scrapyard? Oh, wait, it's up, it's down, it's left, it's right. Arc. So <laughs> I just mm-hmm. ended up keeping my camera largely one way. Um, So pros would be the story's pretty good, uh, the graphics are good, the writing's generally well done, the music's like low-key but nice. There's no like action in the game, it's more just if this was a board game it would be called worker placement or dice placement maybe. Um, So it's kind of a weird mix of computer game, tabletop merge idea. Um, But the art's really nice. Um, you know, the characters that pop up when you click on them, they're all really drawn in cool ways with interesting, like, costumes and they all have characteristics, and of course like we were talking about Mass Effect, there's main quests there's side quests, Um, you don't have to do everything, but you are incentivized to perform tasks, so they call them what do they call them? Drives Um, because when you complete one like in full, you get a skill point so, you know, then you can upgrade yourself which is always nice like maybe no, go ahead
2: what's the method of the storytelling here are we talking like image and with some text for the storytelling or are we like voiced and cut oh uh, yeah and all? no you
0: you got to read everything so it's very text heavy game in that sense um it's <clears throat> i mean calling it text heavy i mean it's all delivered through text so you have to read but it's not like walls of text it doesn't right. go on and on and on and on like it's more of a short novel or something <laughs> at best i mean in total not at once um, that is both the pro and con of the game. You can finish it. I finish it, I think in 5.6 hours. Of course, I also play fast and read fast. I see other steam reviewers. They're complaining it more like eight hours or something. There seems to be like six to 10 hours is, is average. I really like, I honestly, I played it all in one day. Um, I thought, I'm just going to check this out. And I'm like, damn, this is really cool. And like, oh, this is really fun. and know the story's really interesting. Oh, one more, one more day, one more cycle. And then like four hours later. <laughs> Then I'm like, okay, I think I'm almost done the game. I'll just like take a break and then play, play later, you know, play more. And I kind of push through nice. to the end of the game. Um, yeah, basic story is you're kind of trying to find out who you are, and then you're trying to escape because your memories are fuzzy, and then you're trying to escape like the corporation because you have a tracker on you, and then there's like a bounty hunter after you, and that's a fun, a fun like mid game sort of, um, like wrench in your gears. Um, but then there's a couple of different endings, you know, you can, well, basically to not spoil it, but there seems to be three or four different endings. Um, so maybe incentivize you to replay or make different choices or whatever. I didn't really feel compelled yeah. to replay it. What I did was reload my save and then just followed the the threads to, like, get the three different endings. Um so that's what <laughs> that's what I did there. Huh. They they seem to be releasing more content though, more episodes for free. So like different stories. I haven't checked those out yet, but um, that's basically cool. It's just a, it's a light game, you know. Uh, the cons of the game. Well, yeah, if you don't like reading, um, or prefer voiceover, you won't get that here. Um, you know, if you want some super fancy graphical thing, you won't get that here. Though I think the game looks good. It still is an indie game. It's very like artistically stylized. Uh, The story's pretty good, though. Some of it, like, it started out really good, then kind of flatlined in the middle, then picked up at the end. Flatline's Mm -hmm. maybe too strong a word, but, like, it it dipped a bit in the middle, got a little, like, where'd the story go kind of a thing. Or Mm -hmm. it was just sort of a jumble of side quests, like, I don't know, help this mercenary fix her ship, or help this father and daughter, like, who are in a tough spot, or, you know, I don't know, um... Help these scientists grow some mushrooms or whatever there's all kinds of things you can run around doing um but so like i don't know i helped this one duo with their like i don't know they were like a down and out scrap yard or something and they needed help on a job so i helped them once and i was just doing it for the money because it was good money you had to spend a lot of like high tier dice to complete the job um mm. so i'm like cool i got like i don't know 200 i forget what they the word for their money in the game is i got a whole bunch of money for it and i'm like cool and then these characters keep like popping up and visiting me like hey you're my best friend now want to come and help us like you got to help us and i'm like i I, like what are you talking about go away like there was no like real dialogue (laughs) option to tell them like i was just helping you out once which is all it was presented as but then it becomes this like dire quest line where if you don't help them they're gonna like go under and basically like they're ruined and i'm like this is just sort of weird guilt tripping for like a passing <laughs> side quest. I don't know. There was a couple things like that where characters are suddenly like your bestest BFF buddy, even though you just did like one simple job for them. And that happened mm-hmm. two or three different times. And I was a little weirded out by that. Cause it's like, well, what, where's the development to like actually earn this relationship? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> we weren't this close. I was just a passing, you know, person who helped you junk a ship. Um, yeah. There's a few more involved quests where there's actually like a shootout and some people die and this and that. and Totally different side uh, side quest, but... Um, and same thing. Then there's this person who's left alive and then you, then you have this really weird relationship with them. And they're like all mad at you and this and that. And I was kind of like, well, where did this come from? It didn't quite happen during the actual story so some of the like i guess you could say aftermaths or like post quest sequel quests um are a little there's like a little bit of time jump or there's something lost in transition in the writing not like mm. to the point of like game breaking but it was a little weird i noticed it in a few spots not every quest but there was two or three that stood out to me those that, that was probably my main complaint about the game otherwise it was a fun you could say bite-sized you know sort of stiper punky narrative experience with. Um, Some of the choices definitely matter, though, um, because you can really help people out or you can screw free people over. Like how you deal with the corporation after you or the bounty hunter after you is actually very different as well, apparently. Um, So it's not going to be like some wild, it's not going to like blow your mind, but it's a really fun little game. You know, it's pretty cheap. 20 bucks, I think it's on sale right now. Um, and I'm curious to see where they take more of the stories, because the writing was pretty good with a few gaps, so I like story, I like, um, I like space, I like cyberpunky things. things, um, it's good. I recommend it, basically, if you like indie stuff anyway, and it won't break the bank, it won't break your, your schedule, you know, you could finish it in probably six hours, um, though I honestly was playing very quickly, <laughs> um, so maybe a little longer, but
2: it sounds super cool, um, and honestly, I've reached a point as well where like, I will take on big games like Mass Effect and Elden Ring and stuff, but having a game that is sh- short to the point and does something well in a short time span, I see that as a positive as well. Like I'd much rather have a short, focused, nice six-hour experience than a eh, pretty good 20 hours. So, Yeah, sounds, yeah sounds I good. was
0: very happy with like my almost six hours with the game. Um, I'd rate it easily like an 8 or 9 out of 10, despite a couple of the narrative blips. There's a lot I don't want to say about the game because it would be spoilers. There's some really interesting narrative elements. There's some really fun characters and some really interesting quests to follow. Um, And a lot of things are optional in sort of how you go about, you know, um, choosing what to do and who to help or where to go, or to sort of what ending you might want, which could involve, yeah. you know, all kinds of things, staying on the station, leaving the station... Going with certain people you've helped along the way or not. Um you can even screw over a few people, you can there's even some sort of option, I think, for some sort of like, you know, digital consciousness merging ending sort of thing. You know, there's all kinds of endings. I maybe that's a semi-spoiler, but it hints at it pretty very early in the game, like there's something different about you and you keep having like weird dreams of the digital realm and all the station itself and all this stuff, but Yeah, it's cool. It's bite-sized. I say check it out. Um, I liked it more than I thought it would. I'm like, I bet this will be pretty solid, but I started playing it, and I'm like, wow, this is surprisingly good. Like, more than I figured it would be. So I I recommend it if you like narrative and space, basically. And they seem to be releasing, I think, a total of three new stories for free. I think they're calling Mm -hmm. them Episodes. Um, one of them's out now, so I haven't checked it out yet, but they say they're releasing a couple more. Um, let me see. Yeah, it's just a new episode. I guess it's on the station again. I don't know, something about refugees or something. Anyway, I haven't played it yet, but, um, I intend to, so. That is Citizen Sleeper from, who are they from? Jump Over the Age. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> weird, weird sort of uh developer name publisher fellow traveler mm. that's funny because they say fellow traveler a lot in uh this game so uh-huh. i wonder <laughs> oh, is this publisher published anything else okay they have they published a bunch of other things i wondered if it was like a first-time publisher and that would have been funny um we had a third item oh yeah um well that was my game yak um ted you mentioned you had been playing the same old stuff but what refresh my memory what have you been up to oh yeah
1: well um, am nothing nothing that works on well it all works on my mac but under the windows side but the two the three things i'm putting most of my work into right now are um uh new world which is it even though i've managed to get to the highest level at this point it's still a lot of stuff to do and it's pretty well i thought it was pretty well done i don't it seems like a lot of people are leaving it but i've find it hard to, to run out of things to do that's actually a pretty good over you know open world one the um <clears throat> the other thing i play a lot of is um i'm playing far cry 6 um which i i like the far cry series that's that always the one a lot of... set in where's that one set this in Yara, it's it's like a little uh, island. I think some reviewers said it was kind of like Cuba. <laughs> right, I, right. I guess it's as good as description as any. But it's it's kind of a you know Latin American uh, motif to it. Uh, you know that type of type of island. and uh, you know typical uh, Far Cry. If, if you've played any of the Far Cry stories, it's typical. You know you're the the revolutionary or the guys against the tyrant overlord or whoever else is in charge of the you know local world (laughs) so it's a lot of fun it Um, is
0: i last played far cry 2 quite a while ago but oh okay well
1: the the big thing i find about far cry is it's just gorgeous the you know the the other day I you know went to do a side quest and there's you know I, I ended up on this area and there's like a, a triple waterfall in the distance with this little stream running by it it's like I want to be there <laughs> nice. you know yeah. just the scenery itself is is just gorgeous and uh, you know the graphics are stunning it's just you know the game's good I mean I have a lot of fun with it and the good thing about it one of the reasons I got into it is because it's co-opable and oh, nice. um, so I I play I have a friend that I play with once a week and so we just kind of go our separate ways and then we team up once a week and do you know tougher missions or just explore whatever you know so and the the other one I'm doing is Generation Zero I don't know if anybody has heard of that one but it's uh, I haven't. It, it I like it. It's different because the bad guys are robots.
0: Oh, is that, is that say that's the one where it's like where in the, Russia or something, and there's robots. Oh no,
1: it's actually kind. Of, what is it? Uh, is it uh, Sweden? Maybe it. Huh. It's. I I think it might be Sweden or some area in Sweden where you know the robots came in and took over took over the country, and you know you're <laughs> the the original game. They've made a lot of modifications to it over time, and and that. It's not DLCs. They just keep adding bits, <laughs> which I think is kind of interesting. I mean, I guess it's a kind of a DLC, but they keep adding bits and pieces to the story and stuff to it. But the I, the original thing was the robots took over and you were the only person alive, so there was no one else around. And then they added in some NPCs into it, and that's where it is now. The last part they're trying to do is they recently added um, trying to do um, – make your own a uh, home base where you can fight from against the robots. So the the robots can get pretty intense. I'll have to tell you. <laughs> and, and, you know, everything from these little guys, like, um, little, we call them dogs. They look like little four legged creatures with guns on them to massive tanks with, you know, that are like tremendously large and have an awful lot of armor and firepower. So, um, you get your weapons, you you know, and you try to... You, there's a few modifications. There's not really much in the way to modifications, but you can learn how to make, like, ammunition and stuff, which helps. But ammunition can be scarce, and it gets kind of tough. At... <laughs> it's awful awful lot of uh, runaway on this game, at least in my part. I don't know. Other players might do it differently. but And, and if you can learn certain skills, which, you know, like, one skill will t- is a tech skill where you kind of learn how to... Spot parts on the robot that are easy, you know uh, weak points, I guess is good for it, so you mm-hmm. know blow out this, blow out that first type of thing, mm-hmm. you know tech, but um, uh, it's actually a lot of fun, but and and it's another co-op game, so you can actually play with other people and um uh, which makes it a little bit more appealing, a lot of good missions, not the only thing I don't like about it is there's not a the story isn't really developed well. It's more of an open-world, single-player shooter where you can play with other people. And there's a little bit of storyline to it. And it's like they almost created the story after they developed the game, so they keep adding little pieces. So, but anyhow, those are the three big ones that I'm playing. And uh, I think I spend most of my time in Far Cry and New World. So...
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that could be said about Ubisoft, um, or at least the internet seems to. Um, But they make some pretty darn nice-looking games. I mean, the last one of theirs I played through was Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and dang, there were some really nice environments in that game. Like, it was fun to just wander around on a horse or climb a mountain or whatever, um, or sail on a boat, like, and just admire the scenery. It's pretty, pretty... Their artists or whoever does all, responsible for all that stuff is quite nice
1: yeah it and it's it's super realistic and you know uh, you know very well t- uh scenery developed type thing so and you know and the good thing about the far cry series too is there is a story to it and you're you know you work to you know you start off as a oh guy that just wants to leave this mess <laughs> and suddenly become you know one of the resistance people and then you are trying to uh, uh, get other factions to join the the resistance type of thing. So you do all these little missions. And one of the things that's kind of fun about it, at least Far Cry 6, is you have um, these animal companions you can get that help, you know, they each have certain um, abilities that, you know, to help you out with missions. <laughs> it's kind of funny. And uh, they, it's kind of like an animal... Pet thing, but they do different things. Like there's a, as this monstrous alligator that will fight with you, and then there's this cute little puppy dog that will kind of attract everybody's attention while you sneak by them. Things, you know, things like that. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, it it it. You know, again, it's one of these things where you can decide how you like to play it and kind of go with it. I'm usually like uh, Rambo style. Yeah. <laughs> my uh, friend i play with is a little bit more on the stealth side so he'll he'll sit there and look at okay well there's a there's an alarm there's a camera you know let's take out the alarm and camera okay there's a sniper we'll get him first now we'll go in you know <laughs> like yeah. and me it's like yeah there's something in there i'll just go shoot everything <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's it's just a lot of fun so i i mean i have a lot of fun with it so those are but they they all play well actually new world plays pretty well in um um GeForce Now. I play it sometimes where I don't feel like booting in, you know, using boot camp. I'll play for an hour or so with that. And even with the free one, it, it's actually pretty decent. So uh, I not haven't not tried bad. any... Uh, go ahead. I was saying not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I I played all... I, I haven't played the Far Cry, but I played both Gen Zero and uh, New World using that on occasion. Just where I wanted to do some work, so...
0: Yeah, a lot yeah, of fun. All the Far Cry's, including I think the very first one, <laughs> are available on GeForce now, so you can play pretty much anyone you want.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I played uh, was it Far Cry Four a while ago, but. Uh, this... Was
0: the one set in India or something, or? Himalayas? Kind of like
1: India, yeah, kind of like an India motif, yeah, yeah. That was a lot of fun. There's a couple of interesting little. The there was a there was the the one of the fun things of it was I guess it was a couple. I don't know what you want to call them, like hippies or whatever. You got involved yeah. in these quests where you you took these drugs and you the whole world changed and you were kind of like spaced out through the whole thing. <laughs> 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 they did a really good job of, of uh, creating that, you know, feeling while you were running around trying to get through the, uh, uh, the scenario. It was a little bit long, but it was a lot of fun. There was a couple of them. There wasn't just one, but that was funny. It's like I laughed more. I I I laughed too much playing it. It took me too long. (laughs) But uh, yeah. Yeah, good games. Yeah. I'm really pleased with what Ubisoft does. But I really wish they would bring something to the Mac. That would be really nice.
2: Has Ubisoft ever done anything on the Mac?
1: Not that I'm aware Uh, of. Maybe early.
0: Huh? Go ahead. Settlers is by them, isn't it? Settlers 6 or 7. I mean the early settlers games were also on the Mac. I'm pretty sure it's Ubisoft, unless I'm a crazy person. Because uh one of them required an always yeah. Ubisoft Blue Byte... Hmm. Yeah, yeah. They at least they do the settlers now. I don't know if they always have. Um oh, did, they the do, right look.
1: did they do the they had do with the Assassin Creed, right? And I think, wasn't yeah. there an was Assassin's uh, Creed that was on the Mac oh, years ago? Right.
2: Yeah, Assassin's Creed 2. Uh, two of them. Was,
0: um, yeah. Two and the third one, like Rome or whatever it was called.
1: Okay, yeah, because I think I had one one of them, but I never got I, – I think I ended up getting it as a freebie or something and never got around to playing it and forgot about it. Oh,
0: uh, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. It was set all in Rome instead of okay, Marvel, Yeah, Marvel. that's yeah. right. Yeah, they were both on the Mac um, – Died in the 64-bit uh, Apocalypse. buddy Frank reviewed um, the second one, and I reviewed Brotherhood for AMG back in the day. Okay,
1: okay. All right, so I thought I thought there was a couple there, so I guess they did do something for yep, the map. just but...
0: two of them, and the third one sadly never came, which was the ending of that, well, quadrilogy, I guess, because um, you're playing Ezio in four games. Uh, I forget what the next one was called, Assassin's Creed something, but... Um... I don't know. It was too many of them, maybe.
2: I think it's revelation.
0: Perhaps. Anyway, that was like the finishing of the story, and it never materialized, sadly. Um, yeah, good stuff. I mean, yes, Assassin's Creed. I mean, oh man, it could go on forever. I'm just a big fan. Uh, part of me still likes the original the best in some ways, even though it's super dated these days. But you know, it was the first of its kind. Um, and the setting was so like original because you were, you know, this Arabic assassin dude in Jerusalem and a couple other cities, I forget the names of, and now it's in a, you know, the cities weren't, you know, were a lot more sparse and they weren't as like well-designed or populated as they are these days. But by these days, I mean with the newer Assassin's Creed games or even their sequels, but I don't know, I guess the start of any good series has its own like unique charm that's hard to find elsewhere. Even in Definitely. the sequels that are like arguably better um in a large variety of ways. But um I re- I just have really fond memories of the first one. I, I would probably never replay it. Because <laughs> I go back and be like, oh man, this is so dated. Um but at the time it was like, oh, like this it was like mind-blowingly cool. this like a giant world you could stealth around in and stab dudes and leap off churches and whatever and oh ride a horse to a different city and whoa, this is really cool. And yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, there's a point to that. The the first game, like, the, the sequels do it better, more refined, but the first one is more special, you know, be, being yeah. the first one to do a new thing or something. I think it's the same with, like, well, we mentioned Mass Effect before. The sequels are more refined, but the first one was special. Um, same with something like um, Crisis, you know. The sequels were way more refined, uh, especially the suit mechanics but the first one right. did something quite special and yeah i think that's just how it goes with the that's new good point. it's
1: a good point yeah, i think that's probably true for any franchise yeah i mean you know the especially if you were around to play all of them and it's like oh yeah i have fond memories of that game when it first came out <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. I was just thinking of Halo, you know, and just the first Halo game was just phenomenal. And I think the other ones, again, were very well, you know, refined and a lot of interesting stuff added to it. But I still think the first one was the best. <laughs>
0: yeah. I would agree, um, especially with Halo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hello for the win. Um, yeah, funny, who is that? MacSoft did that, but Gearbox did the PC port, so Gearbox helped MacSoft do the Mac version. Mm-hmm. Uh, old, different times. I mean, Gearbox did release Borderlands 3 for Mac, randomly, so hey, they're not. They remembered, yeah. hey, 20 years ago, we ported something to Mac. Remember that, boys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's try it again. <laughs> Tiny pinas, where are you? (laughs) I know. I would keep
1: hoping that'll come over. Yeah, but oh, Oh, funny.
0: Um, Speaking of companies that used to port things to the Mac, ha ha. um, Aspire Media. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We'll cap off of this topic. It's not necessarily the most interesting. I just, you know. It's not like you know breaking news. It's just kind of interesting. Basically, um, there was a, a report or a news brief or whatever uh, the other day where um, we mentioned it before. Aspire was doing a remake of Knights of the Old Republic. Um, and that was announced right. several months ago, I believe. Maybe start of the year or even late last year or something. I forget exactly when. Uh, anyway, so they did a demo to whoever owns the, the IP now. Um, which is maybe Lucas Arts and somebody else. I don't know. Disney owns Disney, part maybe? of Star
2: Wars, at least. Yeah,
0: they do, but they own like the movie stuff. Maybe not necessarily mm. the video game stuff. I don't know how that works. Um, yeah. I guess I should. Yeah, it was in the article I linked it uh, here. PC Gamer, surprisingly, PC Gamer is a good source of news. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, unsurprisingly. Uh, oh, they showed it to Lucasfilm and Sony. I see. So Disney wasn't mentioned, so they must have the rights to like the video game stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um anyway, they showed a vertical slice demo of the remake end of June. So that was about a month ago to executives, and then a week later a bunch of people were fired. <laughs> <laughs> uh the art director and the design director got canned. Um like unexpectedly. And apparently the timeline was really messed up. It's supposed to be out end of this year. And they said they couldn't have it done till 2025. So that's, you know, just wild three years off the mark. Haha. Uh-huh. That's pretty crazy. Wow. But would it really take like five years to do a remake? I guess a remake isn't a, what do you call it? A remaster. Like they are literally remaking the game, I guess.
1: Oh, um, it's not just remastering it. Okay.
0: Yeah. It's like a literal remake, which means they'll alter things or upgrade things. I yeah, guess that's I why it's taking so long.
2: With with the age of the original Knights of the Old Republic, that it probably also takes substantial effort to remake it versus something that has a more newer, you know, code base and engine stuff to work with if they're, you know, making it all upgraded, then it might be more effort to push something old up to new standards.
0: Right? Yeah, um you were we were chattering a little on Discord like why announce something like this so early, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's a remake of a popular game that was a big hit back in the day, still has a cult following to this day, so to speak. Um, it's, like, it's like guaranteed to be popular, basically, unless they right. totally mess it up. Like, do they really need to hype it years in advance? Like, it's not yeah. like they're taking pre-orders or whatever. Um, a little weird. But um, fortunately or unfortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, it appears it might even go to a different studio. It was put on hold indefinitely. Yeah, I've um, seen that. Re- reported Employees at Aspire have reported um, been told that the company is seeking new projects and the remake could be moved to a different developer. Possibly Aspire's parent company, Saber
2: Interactive. Hmm. So I, I have, hope that you know. doesn't hurt any potential chances of a Mac port, if that happens, but that was never guaranteed anyway. But just yeah.
0: It wasn't, but it being done by Aspire at least gave you the idea that it could oh. be. Could. Yeah. Um I mean as you pointed out, Knights of the Old Republic, I think one and two are pretty much available on everything. iPhone, iPad, Mac, you can just kind of play them anywhere these yep. days. Uh the old versions, of course. Um and people buy them. I think they remain popular. Uh so mm-hmm. I mean on the Mac. Um, but you know, with all these weird delays and this and that. I, of course we'll never know, but it's like what did I mean, it's a remake, so what did they show that was so, like, awful? <laughs> People get fired. You're like, not only are you fired, like, we're taking away this project from you and giving it to someone else, maybe. It's like, holy moly, that's, that's intense. They've been yeah. working on it. It was announced in September, and they showed it off in June. So almost a year, nine months or something, theoretically, of work. Or maybe they already had—I don't know if when they announced it in September, they had already started working on it, or they started then— Nine months, let's say, to a year of work. Um, it was apparently terrible enough to the, you know, the suits, the executives <laughs> that um, went wrong. But, you know, I'm not a game designer or developer, whatever. Um, I don't know how tough things are. I don't know, you know, did they say, you know, we're going to have this feature or this amount ready or this graphical look or who knows. And they didn't meet their targets. Did they show off a really lame part of the game? I don't know. Like (laughs) we don't have the vertical slice to see and or even comment on. Hopefully somebody leaks it somewhere down the line.
2: Yeah. Sometimes they were like, the only thing we have ready is the main menu. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Look at these graphics. (laughs) Look at the speed with which you can choose what to do. Yes. (laughs) Right. Oh, Oh
0: um yeah no i still hope for a remake because mac or not i would most likely play it um some way you know in boot camp or whatever or streaming or whatnot um really fond of that game at least the first one i never i only played a few hours of the second didn't get into it but huge fan of the first one so i'll go for the remake it's just like it's weird for aspire because they've been quiet for a while on let alone mac or pc um, I guess that maybe they ported a few things in a Nintendo switch or something randomly. Um, yep. and then they went quiet for a while other than they were bought by Saber interactive who are themselves are a subsidiary of the embracer group who goes around uh, embracing, buying all kinds of st- uh, gaming studios and whatever. And then it's like, okay, here's their big project. You know, they're working on a Knights of the Old Republic remake. Like that's no big, that's, that's a big IP um you know it is a hugely popular game this is a big deal for what's arguably like kind of a small studio in the greater scheme of the gaming world in the max sense aspire was one of the big dogs but you you know you put them out there in the the full arena they're you know they're like big fish or what is it big fish small pond or whatever so suddenly thrown into the ocean or what have you or a giant lake it's like oh they're not so big so in my mind anyway, them getting, I don't know if they had the bid for the project or they, they are the ones who proposed it themselves. I don't know how all that worked on behind the scenes, but the fact that they were working on it, I'm like, oh, well, that's pretty prestigious for us to buy our media, you know, that's cool. Um, mm-hmm. so the fact that they're purportedly looking for other projects is like, oh, well, like that's not good for the reputation. Like suddenly they're <laughs> the people who, you know, messed up. I don't want to use a stronger word <laughs> who messed <laughs> up um, <laughs> you know knights of the old republic like that's not good for your resume like, right you know what i mean
2: yeah but they, they do seem to love knights of the old republic though like as you said just a moment ago they've ported it to basically all of apple's platforms and with knights of the old republic 2 they were also the people responsible for porting that to the xbox Um and, oh. and for the iPad version, they actually called that a remaster, not a remake, but the iPad version they called a remake, uh, remaster because they did up the textures in higher resolutions for the retina displays of the iPad. Um, uh, I don't cool. think they ever actually backported that to the Mac version. So the Mac version <laughs> runs at a lower resolution than the iPad version, which is kind of funny. But yeah, they've done so much with Knights of the Republic, just the original base games.
0: That's true, and they also did Jedi Knight Two and Jedi Outcast or Jedi Academy way back in the day. You know, Academy. We're talking about yeah. that. Um, yeah, and they might have even done some other Star Wars stuff. I can't remember, like way back. So I, I guess they they're just a, like,
2: I think they did a pot Razor thing as well.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That was them. Also, they do that right. one. Oh, that was yeah. Fun. yeah that was Aspire. I only ever played a demo off a of Mac addict disc, but it was Aspire. Yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah, so they're clearly Star Wars fans, which would explain it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they should port... Um, oh, man. What's the game we were just talking about? Uh, Yesterday, Casper, Jedi... Uh, oh, my God. The Fallen new in one. order?
2: Yeah. Fallen Aurora, and you
0: said yeah. you checked it out, and it was like, not bad, but not amazing.
2: Yeah. It's a good, good game, but didn't hold my interest. It caught my interest, but it didn't hold it.
0: Right. Uh, you know, it was apparently... Really well done by Respawn, or the guys from Titanfall. Uh, And I guess they do Apex Legends as well. Um, Yeah. um, Yeah, I mean, Star Wars is fun. I guess it's funny, like, I don't call myself a, um, like, these big IPs, like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. I don't think of myself as a fanboy, like, in terms of the media content, like books or movies or whatever, shows. There's tons of shows now. Or (laughs) not necessarily tons of shows. There's lots of Star Wars shows. There isn't. A lot of Lord of the Rings shows. I guess one's coming out, but um, but the video games. Thinking back, because I was having this discussion with some buddies talking about like the movies and shows um, and whatnot. I'm like, ah, you know, I'm more interested in sci-fi in general than like Star Wars or like a good fantasy adventure, or action adventure than like Lord of the Rings. And then I look back and think, oh, I've played practically like every single Star Wars and Lord of the Rings game that's been put out (laughs) so I guess I really like the games but I don't really care for like the I don't know the Lord of the Rings books that much I read them once never again and when I like books I reread them um I don't know I recently tried playing a Lord of the Rings card game and I didn't like it that much I ended up selling it but then I reflect oh I played the heck out of like I don't know I think it's Lord of the Rings Return of the King Mm -hmm. which is this like pretty cool sort of third person-y action adventure Lord of the Rings game where you play through, I think most of the like big story moments is all the characters, um, and I don't know what other ones I've played, but certainly tons of Star Wars games. I mean, I, I think one of the first games I bought as a kid, um, after doing some work work for my father, getting some pocket money, was Star Wars Rebel Assault. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it might even been the first game I literally ever bought, like as a I don't didn't like note that, but it's in my memory. When was that even put out? Let me check. 1993 that sounds about right yeah this one I was like 9 who even put this out for the Mac they made a Rebel Assault 2 I didn't play that one Um, it was on the Macintosh it was a rail shooter (laughs) it was just published by Lucas oh it was just by LucasArts no one else did it they just put it out everywhere Nice. it was the first CD-ROM only game to be published by LucasArts yeah I mean it was super on rails but you know you got to do a bunch of different stuff there was like flying and then there was shooting and there might have been some little like puzzly bits I don't quite remember Um, oh four mission types space flight and one on foot third person levels overhead view first person yeah so the, you know it's one of those sort of funky early 90s games where it's like yeah it's almost like multiple games mushed into one it's yeah. like, oh, look, on this mission, you're third person, and oh, on this mission, you're first person, and this mission, suddenly you're overhead in a wing or whatever, <laughs> dodging asteroids. <laughs> Random aside, I, I, I was curious if, like, somehow Aspire was involved. I don't think they were out yet. When did they I start?
2: If it was early 90s, that was oh, also more of the era where... Um game developers tended to make their own Mac versions rather than outsourcing them. I yeah, think. that's
0: true. Right. And Lucas uh, Lucas Arts or whatever, they did all kinds. A bunch of their old adventure games were also on the Mac, as far as oh, I yeah. recall. Yeah, yeah. They had, I think, Indiana Jones and some, like, The Dig, maybe. I think that was a popular old one. Crashland and on mm-hmm. alien Planet or something. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably some other ones. But I don't want to get too retro, but it was just an aside. Basically, Spire Media loves Star Wars um but they faffed it up so <laughs> it seems yeah. like at the moment they are not going to continue with the project or will anyone it was apparently just put on old so we might never even show up yeah i do i'm pretty sure there's either respawn or somebody else is working on another like big star wars game though i think some sort of action adventure thing like Fallen order
2: i think that's unless i'm remembering wrong I had heard about that a few years ago, but I thought that was what became Fallen Order, or maybe we we'll are just talking about different things.
0: Uh, well, there was a couple that were canned. Um, okay. Jedi Survivor is apparently a game. What is this? There's a teaser. Hmm. Is this just a sequel? Heard of one. Uh, experience the next chapter of Calcas' journey in Star Wars Jedi Survivor. It appears to be a sequel to Fallen Order. Yeah, okay. So that's coming out next year. So,
3: mm.
0: I mean, it's not going to come to the Mac that we know of, but hey, we can always hope. <laughs> Maybe, uh, you know, Apple or someone will port it along. That'd be cool.
2: Oh, actually, what was that other Star Wars game that was like an action adventure type thing where you played as like an apprentice for Darth Vader? Because that was on the Mac.
0: Force Unleashed. Oh, yeah, I did that yeah, one on yeah, the Mac too, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Force Unleashed. That was Another really first Star Wars game. <laughs> that was really fun. I think I played it twice. I mean, oh, it wasn't like the best game ever, but the graphics were pretty good and the force powers were like ludicrous. And that's what I really enjoy <laughs> about Star Wars is the force powers. So
2: yeah, uh-huh. yeah.
0: The sequel it never f- made it, but apparently that one wasn't very good anyway. So
2: yeah, no. I thought the first one played a lot like um, a very, very old. Video game version of Star Wars Episode Three, um, that I played on the PS2, and the Force Unleashed game felt very similar to that one, just with an original story rather than just a retelling of the third film or sixth, seventh film, however you count that. Yeah, six.
0: Right. Okay, I'm looking at like all Star Wars games in development. Apparently, there's one coming out like. Five years from now, <laughs> <laughs> being made oh, by yeah. uh Quantic Dream, the guys who did Detroit Become Human. If you guys are familiar with that, yep. Um, apparently, it's called Star Wars Eclipse, hmm. set in the hyper public era. I don't know my lore enough to know when that is. The title may not release until 2025 at the earliest and as late as 2027. Oh, okay, um, set your calendars, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and of course, there's all the like Lego Star Wars games that I forget about, um, but they're popular. Apparently, Ubisoft is making an open-world Star Wars game, supposedly. Mm. Uh, It's by the same devs who did the Division series. So... hmm,
3: This is apparently Twitter.
0: This was from January 2021. We're excited to announce we're working with Lucasfilm Games to develop a brand new story of an open world Star Wars adventure says Ubisoft. That's all we know. Okay.
2: okay.
1: <laughs> we shall see.
2: Uh, of I think the, the Quantic Dream one sounds interesting given that they tend to do games that are just narrative, make a choice, do simple actions like uh, not very action or anything it'd be kind of yeah. interesting to see how that transfers to a Star Wars game. Um,
0: yeah. Oh, I, it could be. Uh, that was my th- thought as well, reading this list. Like, I'm actually most interested in in the one by Quantic Dream. Um, just for something different. Because we're so used to all the action and adventure games in Star Wars, which are great. But it's like we've had so many of them. Um, yeah. You know, it'd be interesting to be a rebel agent or even a, I don't know. I don't even know what the heck the High Republic era is. But they tend to do just... a lot of work with um in their games you're often like some kind of policeman or this or that often. Mm-hmm. Um you'd be really interesting if I don't know, you maybe you were some kind of inspector running around in Star Wars or something. I don't know. Um you could do a lot with it if it was like story driven like you're saying. Yeah. Um I suddenly wish I really knew my Star Wars lore. Uh apparently It was the Galactic Republic was at its height and it was the golden age of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. So that was well before the movies, I guess.
2: Yeah, that seems like it's before any of the movies. Maybe it fits with this timeline of episode one, a.k.a. fourth film.
0: (laughs) Right. The Jedi Order was at its height. Uh, Yada, yada, yada. So. I'm just reading a Star Wars fandom wiki page <laughs> oh, <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on. Um, but yeah, I would, out of that list, um, I would definitely be most interested in this one, like something uh-huh. story driven. And they tend to also be visually really, really um, graphically well done, yeah. like good faces, good voice work and all that jazz. So yeah, I mean, you know, Star Wars is colorful. There's all kinds of interesting races and places um, and characters. So to have that more in-depth instead of just a pew-pew, bang-bang, mm, slash-zap, boom, whatever, um, Star Wars game. I mean, there's always some story. Like, Fallen Order has a story. I mean, I've looked it up. It's it's fine. Force Unleashed had a decent story, but you could also make choices, which is fun. Yeah.
2: I mean, that was kind of the problem with like holding my attention with Fallen Order, that it did have a story. But the story seemed more like a vehicle for just going to planets and playing the game rather than something interesting in itself. Um, So the story didn't captivate me in that, but it it was definitely there.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, it seemed to be the design was clearly taking a bit from um, not necessarily Dark Souls, but Sekiro or Dark Souls a bit, where you know, the enemies are challenging and there's like a meter where you break their stance or something, right? Mm -hmm. And there's all these different locations, but oh no, you can't actually explore everything right now. I guess they call that Metroidvania style. You have to like come back later when you've unlocked X skill or piece of equipment and suddenly you can explore even more. Yay. Like Mm -hmm. they seem to be popular. I'm not the biggest fan of that school of design personally, but, um, you know, I can see why they do it, I guess.
2: I like that design philosophy a lot but I thought that the implementation in Jedi Fallen Order, there was too much distance between any point of interest to where Mm. it felt like you were spending too much time just moving as opposed to moving in interesting ways like solving platforming problems or using your skills to do fun things. It felt like too much of the time you were just like, Getting to the interesting bits rather than doing anything interesting.
0: So yeah. that makes
2: sense. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, also, just... <laughs> since you said that thing about Quantic Dreams liking to have you play as a cop, I've been like really trying hard to think of a game where you don't play as a cop ever, and I could come <laughs> up with one example. Uh, oh, okay. be, beyond Two Souls, I don't think you're ever a cop in that one. But aside from that, I do think there is a point where you play as a cop in all of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's what came to mind,
0: yeah. Because I've never played them, but I've watched them a lot on Twitch or YouTube or whatever because I've been very interested in them and a couple times I thought of buying them and playing them boot Bootcamp. I think they released them all for PC at one point, a lot of their games. Um,
2: you can play one of them on the Mac. You can play um, Fahrenheit or Indigo Prophecy oh, depending on that's Europe or America. True.
0: That's Actually, true. was and that, that was also done also by Aspire as well? I yeah, it was Byer. It's funny yeah. how these things are all coming full circle. Um, that's true. One of their early early two thousand designs, I think two thousand four or five or something like
2: that. Uh huh. The story in that one is interesting and good, but there's a lot of off its age stuff in there, um, or, or of its time, where the design, like all their games, are essentially designed the same with just you know, you're not doing anything action oriented or anything. You are just picking an option and stuff. But they had some right. quick time events and stuff in, in that one that just seemed silly. Uh, like it almost seemed like small rhythm games to like <laughs> not get nervous when a cop knocked on your door and shit. It was just a bit right. bit dumb in retrospect, and it's some of the even, animations were really jank. But
0: right. I see QuickTime events as one of the tags on Steam. <laughs> yep. And the QuickTime uh, events were real
2: bad in that one. Feels bad. But it was good game still. I, I liked it. I enjoyed the story. It had a lot of atmosphere in many of its scenes. That was just spot on. And the opening to Fahrenheit is fantastic. Um without, you know, spoiling anything narratively, and this is like literally the opening cutscene. You go to the ba- or You control three different characters in the game, but the one of the characters you control goes to the bathroom in this diner place. And when you're in the bathroom stall, you lose control of yourself. The screen like changes, inverts its colors. Um, you start seeing just blood that isn't there on your own body and stuff. Um, you start holding a knife. I'm not even sure you know where the knife came from. Um, your eyes go t- entirely white. You walk half zombie-like out and just stabs a man. And then Ooh. the game starts and it's like, put away the corpse before the cops come and see what you've done. And you're also panicking as the character because you're like, I'm not a killer. What the fuck happened here? But you're still trying to protect <laughs> yourself from being discovered and stuff. It's it's really cool. The opening is just so good.
0: <laughs> and it's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Well,
3: And we then like...
2: Hope. Again, I don't want to spoil too much, but this is really the opening. Right after you're done cleaning up after yourself, trying to get rid of the murder weapon, trying to get rid of the corpse, the blood, all that, um, you're like, okay, I'm running away. And then the game does this cool thing where it shifts perspectives, and now you're the cops investigating the murder scene you just cleaned up.
0: Oh, that's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. It's very interesting. That's clever. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a, like, it's it's weird, I haven't played their games, but I really do appreciate studios who do heavy narrative games um, mm-hmm. that employ interesting um, structures or frameworks for their mm-hmm. delivery, like you just talked about, switching sides of um, perspectives, different characters, especially, like, what you just said, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I can't think of another example right now, but, yeah, as someone who's fond of story, that's why I have always watched pretty much all their games. Like, okay, I'm not going to play this, but I want to see what's going on. So I watch it on YouTube or Twitch or what have you. Um, And I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. This is fun.
2: One of the negative design aspects of Fahrenheit or Indigo Prophecy, um, they have this psyche meter thing where each of the three characters you switch between has their own mental health bar. And if it goes all the way to the bottom, it's basically game over. And I, I think it actually, it's actually done in such a way that you can lose one character and the game will just continue and it'll just be that character's just out. They can either die or go insane and just retire or whatever. I'm not entirely sure if that's always allowed, but I think there are some cases at least where it's allowed for a character to just die or go insane and retire or something. Um, hmm. But... The annoying thing is that there's definitely also moments where that's just not allowed to happen, and it will be game over. And the insanity meter thing carries over even between some th- scene changes, so you can get stuck in a position where you play as one character and you get low on your sanity meter. Then it changes perspective, and you play, you know, like four chapters or however long it'll take in the game's thing. You you save. Then it changes back to that character. And the sanity meter is low enough that you can't finish that chapter because there's literally no way of doing what you need to with that little amount of sanity. So you get stuck. And that's just... That was annoying. But I don't think it's a a situation you're likely to get into, but it is something that can happen in that uh, game. And it's just not a good experience when that happens.
0: Right. like uh, You kind of break the the game's narrative or story by making certain choices or actions or whatever.
2: I mean, you'll literally get stuck and need to restart the entire game unless you somehow manage to hang on to a way back save and then you can use that, but you still need to go far back to save yourself from not being able to continue.
0: I wonder if that was a, it was just more of a thing back then. I mean, okay, when was Wing Commander 4 from? I have to look this up. Because there's a similar, uh, let me see, The Price of Freedom, 1997. I uh, remember my elder brother, eldest brother buying this, came on like four DVDs or something, has it's own a little flip pouch. Um, but same thing, like halfway through the game, you could make a choice to, because um, you're like, you join the rebels or whatever. But at some point, you get some like offer to join the Federation or whatever, quote unquote, the bad guys again. And you can do that, and then you can play a few missions and then you get to a mission that's just infinite and you can't win it and that's it there's no progression the game you're just you're just stuck in this weird infinite loop of like being attacked forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and And the mission never ends and i'm like what the heck (laughs) um so same thing you have to like hope you have a save or literally restart the game and make a different choice to just carry on with the rebels and then you can complete the game you know the other half of the game and i'm like why? <laughs> why yeah. do they allow you? It yeah. seems, you know, you get stuck.
2: Yeah, I think the, was, yeah. the situation in Fahrenheit, I think, was a design flaw, that they didn't intend for that to be a possibility, but uh, that they just didn't consider all the numbers that could possibly, you know, result in sanity meters being at certain levels when certain parts of the game started. Um, right. I think it was intended to be so that every single time your sanity meter needed to be at a certain level for you to be able to continue there would also always be something you could do to get it just high enough um, so but there were situations where you know mm-hmm. that just didn't happen
0: interesting yeah funny designs i think they're more clever about that these days like yeah. making sure you can't break the game enough <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to start over mm-hmm. yeah um well that's about it for me on topics today. Anything else come to mind for you, gents, you wanna talk about?
1: Oh, um, I'm I'm good.
2: Yeah, I think we had a good little chat here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Till next time, I
0: guess. <laughs> yeah, until next time. Basically we need to acquire a couple good things or games or whatever to talk about um some news. So we'll see when that is. But thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for you guys being here, making a fun show. And, yeah, we'll catch everyone next time.
2: Bye-bye.
1: Bye.